Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me on Fuel Radio. My guest today is Taylor Rochesty. Taylor is a professional athlete who has traveled the world playing basketball for over 11 years. Having lived in 12 countries, immersing himself in local cultures, and learning about the diversity of life's truths, he offers a unique perspective by sharing his new 2020 vision for the future. Using a positive filter to all that he encounters, Taylor is unwavering in his optimism and powered with a purposeful voice to inspire positivity and happiness. Taylor is an author, a speaker, husband, and a father. In this interview, we talk about his new book, A New 2020 Vision, Cultivate Joy, Reprogram Your Mind, and Define Life Through an Authentic Lens. Now, please help me welcome Taylor Rochesty. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fuel Radio. Oh, Taylor, I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name. Maybe you can pronounce it for me now. Rochester, Taylor Rochester. Taylor Rochester, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Taylor's somewhere in California near a nice, beautiful lake, it sounds like. And what did you say it was? Is it Big? Big Bear Lake, California, Bear a little lake. bit outside of Los Angeles. Right on. Yeah, it sounds, sounds beautiful. Is that where you live or are you just on holidays or? I'm from sunny Southern California, Santa Barbara, and uh, came out here to celebrate uh, a bunch of things, actually. Uh, COVID and traveling and lifestyle has taken us all around. And so we actually, this weekend, seven of us in the family, we celebrated uh, my birthday, Christmas, 4th of July, and anniversaries for three couples. So it was a, it was a big couple days. That's probably not unusual. Hey, there's probably a lot of pent up celebrations waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, there was one. There was one box in particular with presents that was sent to Serbia, and Serbia and customs sent to Israel. Israel and customs sent back to California, and then we just opened the box and opened the gifts a couple of days ago. So it's pretty crazy. Been around the world. Oh wow! So you are a professional basketball player. Or you are you still actively? Um, playing professionally or, or is, or have you retired? You're still, you're yep, still playing, st still playing, uh, finished my 12th season, um, this past year and, mm -hmm. uh, looking right now in the summer to see what's next, either Europe or, or China, uh, depending mm -hmm. on the rules and regulations moving forward with COVID and China's got a lot going on because they're hosting the Olympics soon. So they're trying to figure out if they're going to bring foreign players out or not. Oh, okay. And who did you play for this last year? Um, I was in Serbia, uh, I don't know if you have enough time on your show to explain this last year. But I was in uh, <laughs> I, I was in Serbia uh, with my family um, to start the season while I was waiting to go to China. Um, mm -hmm. But they realized that they couldn't get a, a visa for my family, so we we decided to figure out a new place to go. And so, as a family, we decided to go to Israel because we love Israel. And uh, as we were working on the visa to get my family in, I was there first to work on the visa. They shut down the border. Um, and so my family wasn't allowed to come in. And after a couple months, I actually just left. I've never really even missed a practice before. And I uh, had to leave uh, to be with my wife and my two young kids, uh, just because that much time apart was not what we had signed up for originally. So, yeah. um, you know, I had to just make that make that choice for family. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your basketball career. I'm, cu I'm curious because your bio says you're, you've always been sort of the underdog. So... <laughs> I'm assuming you're you're a hardworking, tenacious type of player who's maybe been underestimated most of your life, and you've you've gotten to where you are through through a lot of uh, hard work and a good attitude. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think it all starts in Santa Barbara. Um, mm -hmm. In high school, I wasn't really heavily recruited. 
Um, not a lot of people are coming out of Santa Barbara for basketball. I think a little bit more now, as far as football, basketball, it's more for water polo. We have great soccer teams. We got, a, um, a lot of elective sports, you know, surfing and hiking and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but to come out of, uh, out of there for basketball is not, um, not as popular. So I was always the underdog in high school with a chip on my shoulder, trying to play division one, never really offered division one scholarship, but always told myself that I could play at that level. Um, at the end of my senior year was uh, given a scholarship to go play at Tulane university. And when I got there, I was kind of end of the bench and try to work my way up to the starting lineup and, and had that as a freshman. And then hurricane Katrina hit um, and I had to change school. So I was over at Texas A&M. I tore my knee over at Texas A&M and try to figure out, okay, what's next. I always wanted to play in the PAC 10 and move back to the West coast, had a chance from uh, Tony Bennett, who's uh, now a big time coach at Virginia. He brought me over to Washington state. Um, again, I had to prove myself for the third time in college that I could play with this new team. And then, uh, and then I was even part of a system that wasn't known for exciting basketball, wasn't known for lots of scoring. And so when I transitioned into becoming a pro, even my agent, when I first talked to him, he didn't really want to work with me because he didn't know what kind of player I was. He didn't <laughs> know what I was, what I was capable of. And um, if I could translate my basketball uh, career into uh, making a career. And so um just constantly having to prove myself. And I think that's exactly where I belong. And that's exactly uh, who I like to be because um, I don't have the expectation to prove myself to anybody else. I'm always constantly trying to be the best version of myself. So to be that underdog, it's a mentality I have, whether people believe in me or not, and just to always carry that underdog mentality. And I've changed so many countries and so many teams, mostly uh, by, by choice and um, just been all around the world, been able to play the game that I love. And so I'm very fortunate. Sounds cool. And uh, I noticed from your pictures on Instagram that you have a young family and it sounds like you, they've been traipsing around the world with you. What, what's that like? Well, uh, it depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me, it's amazing. It's this dream. Uh, I finally um, talked my, my girlfriend at the time, became my wife. I talked to her into uh, living with me. And it was a big, big choice. And when we decided, okay, we're going to live together. Three weeks later, I signed a contract to go live in Nizhny Novgorod, Russia. So the first year we lived together was basically in the middle of nowhere, especially if you're from Santa Barbara, California. And uh, she came out with me and we we're living in Nizhny Novgorod, Russia. And that kind of defines everything in our relationship because not only was she willing to do that and uh, sacrifice for me, sacrifice for the family, but it was part of this crazy lifestyle and part of this crazy journey that we were going to be on. And that's kind of how it's been. And, um, she's from France. I met her, met her there while I was playing basketball in France in her hometown. My son was born in France. My daughter was born in China. I mean, we have a pretty crazy story and when it all comes together and we tell the story, it's, it's, it's incredible, but living the story is you got all these highs and lows and, and all this uncertainty, but all this excitement at the same time. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been great. Wow. The only thing I can relate it to is my my sister and and my brother-in-law are in international education and they move around every every three to five years, you know, but it sounds like you're moving around even often more than that. And their kids have been born. Their kids were born in, in well, their first son was born here, but they're they're they had twins in Switzerland. And so, yeah, but um, I mean, talk about adapting having to adapt to change it, it sounds like you've become probably a quite an expert at that and uh, and then you've written this book called um a new 2020 vision and uh there you go excellent good good 
I was admitting to Taylor, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I will. I'll, I'll grab a copy after we get uh, off this call later today and, and, and read it. It looks excellent. It sounds like it's a book that's really needed for today, but let's, let's go into this. Let's delve into the story just of the book just a little bit. I love stories. Uh, what inspired you to write this book? Um, I think that's the best part about it. Um, I was never really a reader, never really a writer. Um, my best friends and family were surprised when they found out not only I was writing a book, but actually going to publish it and, and end up talking about it. Um, I, when my wife was pregnant with our daughter, which was about four years ago, I had this idea of writing my daughter a letter for the future that maybe she would open when she graduated high school to let her know what kind of thoughts I had what dreams I had and aspirations I had for her future. And so it was actually a letter to my unborn daughter at the time that was just encouraging her to be herself and not give in to the, the pressures and um, expectations of the world. And then that turned into something else. And then when we, when we moved to China, I had a lot of time traveling and on the road and we gave birth to our daughter in China and um, just spending all that time. I wanted to cultivate some of these, uh, some of these ideas I had, turn them into bigger ideas, turn them into paragraphs, into pages, into chapters. My wife helped me narrow down, you know, uh, all the thoughts I have in my head. Uh, she jokes around that I'm living in the clouds. I'm constantly thinking of all these crazy things. And she's like, you need to, you need to condense it down and narrow it down. So, you know, you get the thoughts together, people understand. And then um, I had some people help me out as far as um, structurally engineering uh, the book just to, just to, so it flows a little bit, because like I said, I wasn't really a writer or a reader. I, I don't have inspiration from other books or things I wanted to model it after. It was just very authentic and very me. Um, and so that was the origin of the book. And then I'm super excited about it. It was, it was one thing to write it. And then it was a whole different thing to publish it and be part of this whole new world of trying to figure out how to get the book to people's uh, doorsteps and to have them read it and be part of this message of positivity and message of hope for the future. So I'm really excited for my kids to read it. And I was, and then it turned into really excited for everybody to read it and even for myself to learn from it. Yeah. It, it's fascinating. It, it so often the journey of writing the first book is quite an interesting story. You know, almost everybody, every author has quite a, quite a story. It's, it's quite something to give birth to a mm. book, you know, and there's a lot more work involved in it. I think that's a lot of people realize, right? Yeah. And, and just from what I can see from the book, it's, it's something that's really needed right now. And, and, and I mentioned your uh, ability to, and your experience with adapting to change because the world is, is changing fast. I know it's a, you know, just a, a generality or one of those things that people always talk about, but, but it sure is. So um, it sounds, and, and now that we're coming out of COVID, who knows what, you know, yeah. <laughs> things are going to keep changing. And um, so I think it, it sounds like it's a really timely, timely book and, and covers some timely subjects. I was interested in one of the headings that talks about cultivating joy. And so I'm assuming <laughs> what you're getting at there is that uh, joy isn't necessarily something that just happens. It's something that we, that we have to work at. I'm wondering if you could say more about that. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people uh, are looking at joy and they're looking at happiness as, as a kind of a reactive type of emotion. You know, something great happens and I'm feeling joyful or I'm feeling happy. But I, I think of it more almost like as like a muscle that you can work out and that you can, that you can build because there's organic ways to bring that about you. Just like uh, I talk about highlighting happiness where uh, my wife is French. I was trying to learn how to speak a little French and I was putting 
little note cards all over my house that said like, this is what doorway means, or this is what fridge means and all that kind of stuff. And I was highlighting French everywhere that I looked to try to, to try to build my French, uh, uh, vocab. And then the same thing kind of goes for happiness. When you can put happiness around you and you can realize the triggers that make you happy, the things that make you unhappy, some things that you can steer clear of, you can really generate and cultivate a joyful happiness surrounding around you. And a lot of people say you need to surround yourself with the right things or surround yourself with the right people, but it's even more than that. It's the way that you wake up every morning. It's the way that you let the world tell you who you are. You tell the world who you are. And so there's definitely, there's definitely different things that you can cultivate that you can do to bring joy into your life each and every day. It's kind of a decision, isn't it? A, a di- sort of a daily decision of what you're going to, what you're going to focus on, right? Yeah. True. Well, I, interesting thing. I was thinking about it yesterday that, that a lot of positive things don't come with the absence of all negative things not existing. You know, if, if, if you're happy, it doesn't mean that sad things aren't happening around you. It just means that your mind is focused on those happy things. So if there's a way to reshift your mind and reshift your focus, um, you should be working on that each and every day because it's so key to living your life because every time you open a door, every time you walk in a door, um, you're walking into something that's unknown for the most part. And so I like to think of the idea as I'm happy before I walk into any room. So whatever room I'm walking into, I know who I am. I know uh, the positive things about me, the weaknesses that I have, uh, the great things going on in life, the sad things going on in life. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with all of that and I'm happy with who I am and I can walk into each room with that confidence. That's really cool. I know a lot of coaches talk about, you know, sort of choosing your energy, you know, how are you, how are you going to show up? <laughs> it sounds like you're, you're doing that. I, I like your image too, of the sticky notes around that. that that's, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Another subject, if we can move on is just reprogramming your mind and, um, sort of neuroplasticity is something I've been sort of fascinated with over this past year. And just the idea that, uh, or I mean, science shows us that we can sort of by just from what we even just talked about by focusing on different things over a period of time and creating positive habits, we can actually reprogram our minds, which is good news for someone like me who tends to be a bit of an Eeyore. (laughs) I mean, I just, I just, I just watched Woody the Pooh with the kids last night. I was trying to, trying to explain Eeyore. I said, sometimes you, you need that character to highlight other things. That's funny that you brought that up. Yeah. I think there is even an exercise. There is an exercise where someone will take, it's go into corporations and, and try and sort of as a team building exercise and you decide which character are you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. There's a whole philosophy and psychology behind Woody the Pooh. So you talk about daily applications to uh, reprogram your mind. Maybe you could tell us a bit more about that. Uh, the first thing is super clear. What's your, what's your morning intake? You know, what's happening first thing in the morning. Um, and I say, by the time that your feet hit the ground, literally, there's a bunch of things that have already taken place that are telling you how your day is going to be. A lot of people, the first thing they do is they reach for their phone. A lot of times I do that too. If you've set an alarm, you're hitting your alarm. And then what do you do? you see that you got a message. You see that you didn't get a message. I joke around that people check the weather app and subconsciously they don't even realize they think they're not going to have a good day because it's not going to be sunny out. And then they have all these external factors that come into play before their feet even touch the ground. And so when you have an understanding of how positive um, your mind can influence your day, you can wake up and you just have to focus on that first. Focus on 
um, what you're excited about, who you are, how you're feeling today, how yesterday was and who you want to be in the future. You can think about all those things and program who you are as a person internally before you're going to let the external world take effect into your emotions and your thoughts. Even something checking the, the, the stock market, you can see that the stocks are good today. You're a long-term investor that don't even care about the short-term stocks. Well, it still plays an effect on your psyche to say, oh man, you know, the stocks are down today, even though that doesn't affect you. Um, subconsciously, you're starting the day with a loss and you should start the day with a bunch of wins, especially internally. I do something at night where uh, I write down a lot of things, kind of how the book started a little bit too. I write down goals that I have. I write down quotes that I like. I, like, I write down things that are inspiring. You can create lists. Sometimes people have dreams, but they can't reach it because they think it's too far away. But if you write down your dreams, and you can see it tangibly and you can make lists on how to, how to create those dreams for yourself. Uh, my mom used to joke around and still talks about it. You make a plan, work a plan. So you have a plan there and then you figure out how to get there. And so creating lists, starting with a good morning intake. The big thing I like to do as a daily application is stop complaining. Complaining is one of the biggest things that we all do. It's one of the things that actually brings us together for the most part, because we like to complain about something and we love people to help complain with us and, and, and empathize with us and sympathize with us. And what you realize is if you cut that complaining out, you have to fill your mind, your words, your actions with something else. And it's pretty mind opening once you realize that like there's a lot of space there if you're not going to complain to fill it with positive things. And so these are all things that help those daily applications and help cultivate joy uh, each and every day. I have a really random question for you. <laughs> We've been talking so much about attitude and stuff like that. I'm wondering if you just share a real challenge from your life and, and how you, how you overcame it. Like how have you applied some of these, these principles? I think there's challenges all the time. Hmm. Um, I think everybody's dealing with so much. Everybody's life is so unique and so, uh, and so different. One of the most amazing ways that you can reprogram your mind is the idea of adversity. If everybody's dealing with adversity, then it should be more of a normal thing that we talk about, that we prepare for, that we think about. And so when adversity comes and you have those adverse times, it's not a weakness in your life. It's not something that you necessarily have to overcome. It could end up being your strength. And that's one of the biggest changes that you can make in your mind because adversity, people are looking. I like to think now that I have kids that uh, my kids are like sponges and they're watching me. So what are they learning? If they're learning just daily things when life is going well, um, that's not really stuff that sticks with them that they remember. If I'm going through some adversity and there's some tough thing that I have to overcome, there's always somebody watching. And especially you uh, too, you're watching yourself and you understand who you're seeing in the mirror. So when that adversity comes, that's your moment for strength. That's your moment to define who you are. That's your moment to inspire other people. That's your moment to create confidence and create who you want to be in the future. That's your moment to step up. So these adverse times, once you reprogram it, that's the exciting time because you're going to learn from it. Somebody else is watching. They're going to learn from it. And you have a chance to inspire. And a lot of people are looking for purpose. And what they don't realize is adverse times is a chance to inspire and to give purpose to your life and to give purpose to other people's lives. So what I hear you saying is like, we all experience adversity. So, and instead of taking it personally, sort of reframe it, <laughs> look at it as an opportunity, right? Get, get, get ready for it. I mean, yeah. uh, prepare your mind, you know, what are the things mm. that challenge, challenge you and what are things that help you get through it? And like I said, a lot of this is about a reactive culture or a proactive culture. 
And so I can be proactive about it. I'm going into a situation. I play basketball. I'm going into this game. I'm playing against this player that I don't like playing against. All right. So what, what can I do? What, what do I need to do? If, if times get tough, I talk a lot about people ask me about breathing techniques and about, do I meditate or do I visualize? And one of the things I, I go into a game and I know if times get tough, I try to pick out a, a young kid in the crowd. I try to pick out someone less fortunate than me that might be in a wheelchair or handicapped. And the only reason why I say less fortunate, because they might want to be out there playing basketball. Not that I'm living a better life, but they might want to be out there. And I, and I refocus my mind to realize that it's not about the, the quick adversity that I'm feeling. It's about the bigger picture. And it's about this kid that's watching the game. That's just so excited to be there and so excited for the next play. He's not worried about the mistakes that I've already made. So you can learn about who you are and how you deal with adverse moments because each and every adversity that you face is going to be different, but it kind of triggers the same type of emotions inside. And you need to realize how you deal with your adversity and how you can move forward. It's interesting. I'm thinking like my thought for the day as I was starting my morning was just to be grateful to be alive. Like sometimes I forget what a gift it is just to be alive, you know, and when you, but it, and it, what made me think of it was when you were thinking of someone who's, um, you know, in the crowd or whatever that uh, maybe ha obviously has some, some challenges. Sometimes those people are more grateful to be alive because they have that understanding of their mortality and, and they've worked through some challenges and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So that was kind of my morning, um, my morning thought to begin my day. With that's today. a good one. That's a really good one. That, that should be a morning thought that everybody has because we all share that in common. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You, you talk about authenticity. It's, it's certainly a, a buzzword today. And, um, just from meeting you today, you, you, you give me that impression that you're, you're a very authentic person. You, you talk about defining your life through an authentic lens. I'm not sure what that means. So maybe you could unpack that for us just a little bit. <laughs> an, off, an authentic lens. Uh, yeah. I like to, well, the first, uh, it's interesting. Writing this book is very humbling because there's a lot of people close to you that are going to read it. And so they'll look at you straight up and they'll be like, Hey man, that's not you. Or that is you, you know, you have a lot of thoughts, but like, you know, you don't live up to those thoughts. So I had to humble myself down and realize like, who am I and what's my authentic self. And I have to write that down and, and share that with, uh, with the world and with my family and with everybody. So that was the humbling thing about writing the book. And I think some of the greatest feedback I've received is, Hey man, that, that book is really you, the people that know me. So I think creating your authenticity is everything. Then the, the lens that I have, I like to talk about having a positive filter. So I talk about in the book where you can choose, like we said earlier, a lot of life is a choice. You can choose if you're going to positively filter everything or if what, what I call a guest filter, if you're going to try to guest filter the world. When you positively filter the world, it's a, it's a naive kind of way of looking at the world where everybody's like, oh, I got that one friend that kind of lives in the clouds and always thinks about rainbows and butterflies. And he's super naive and he doesn't realize that, you know, bad things happen and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, I realize that. And I'm fully aware of that. And I, I come to a great understanding that life can be adverse and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but I'm going to choose to positively filter the world because if you're trying to guess filter everything that's coming into you, then you're really having to understand every single person you've ever met, the complexities of people, the complexities of communication, the complexities of life itself, and even your best friend or your husband or your wife, they're coming home and you don't know what kind of experience they've had just on the drive home. If they were sitting in traffic, not sitting in traffic, you don't understand how people are feeling at all moments of the day and the context of what they're saying at all moments of the day. So instead of trying to 
explain that and, and create some algorithm in my mind that, that helps me filter the entire world. I just choose to positively filter it, which means that people are speaking in a way that's only going to create positivity for me. If they're being mean, then I can learn from that and realize that I don't want to be a mean person and I want to be a kind person. I realize what kind of communication I don't like hearing and that helps me move forward. If they're being nice, I like to use that to create relationships and realize they're a good, good person and build on that. And so everything that I'm seeing, everything that I'm experiencing, I use that in a positive way. And so that's kind of the 2020 vision. And that's the idea of having a new lens and you can create a new lens. And every day you have an opportunity to choose um, how you're going to look at the world moving forward. Is the world working against you? Is it working for you? You just said you wake up, you're just happy to be alive. That's a great way to positively filter the world because you might wake up and something negative is happening, but you're like, hey, I can experience that negative thing because I'm alive today. And that's a huge positively positive way to filter the world. That's a great way to start. Cool. Um, you talk about kindness in the book <laughs> and, and, and why we should be kind. I'd like you to expound on that a little bit. I, I always chuckle a little bit because the Dalai Lama said that and I'm not Buddhist or anything like that. I don't follow the Dalai Lama, but I, I think he's a pretty wise person. He said at one point that his religion is kindness. And I think people, more serious religious people just sort of laughed at him. But um, I've, I've continued to think about that. And it's, again, it's it's not a bad lens to look at the world or have that be your your um, your motivation for, for life and, and approach to life. So what, what does that mean to you? I think it's a pretty short answer for me where <laughs> kindness, when I'm going about doing the things that I'm doing and what motivates me. And, and I think of the idea of why am I kind? Um, some people think of kindness as I'm being kind to someone because they deserve my kindness, that they're a nice person. They're someone that I love. They're someone that's been nice to me or kind to me. So I'm going to be kind back to them. And what you have to realize is you have to wake up in the morning and say, Am I a kind person? Do I want to be a kind person? And I think for most people, the answer would be yes. And so I'm not being kind to people because they deserve my kindness. I'm being kind to people because I'm a kind person and that's who I want to be. And when I look in the mirror and I try to define who I am and I try to figure out who I want to be, that's a person that I want to be. And so you can get away with all the external things that are happening in your life. And you can realize that each moment I can choose to be a kind person. I can choose to be someone that is kind to all people. And again, I'm saying that that's not based off of uh, them deserving the kindness. That's just based off of the person who I am. And everything you're saying, I'm hearing a lot of choice involved in the matter. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we have the, the, we have decisions to make. These the, the things like kindness are, are a choice, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Well, the books had, it sounds like it's had a, a good response. Was it um, one of the top, tw Forbes rated it as one of the top 21 books to read in 2021. So that's, that's gotta be kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> what's, what's been the response like and, and what's been the feedback from readers and stuff like that? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to trying to promote myself. It's one of the, the hardest <laughs> things for me to do, but I, uh, I've been told over and over again that I got to talk about it. So uh, it, it reached top lists on Amazon, which was really exciting. Uh, you know, number one in a couple of different categories. Uh, I'm really proud that it was uh, number two on the Wall Street Journal. And that's, you know, dealing with sales and people actually going out there and buying the book and being part of this message. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the great feedback, like I said, is 
that it's authentic to who I am. And so the people that read it have, have written back and not only learned something or, or, or tried to apply something into their life, but realize that they can connect with me and understand who I am on a deeper level, which is really exciting. Because at the end of the day, I just want to be part of this message and I want to be part of this positive culture moving forward. And so my ultimate goal is just to motivate and inspire and even do that within myself. Um, as I'm reading my own words and having to live up to a lot of things that I'm writing down, but it's had some great success. And I want to use that as momentum uh, moving forward to open doors into changing people's lives. Nice. Nice. What, what do you see yourself doing after basketball? A thousand things. <laughs> I, 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 I've wanted to be a professional basketball player since I was five, six years old. Sure. Um, I, I was the only kid in the entire world that, you know, uh, grew up in America that said, uh, when I'm done with college, I'm going to be playing basketball overseas professionally. I think I said that when I was in sixth grade, I didn't even know there were leagues, but I knew I wanted to travel the world. I knew I wanted to play basketball and uh, I'm getting a chance to do that. But as I've gone around the world and experienced all of these amazing things, it just opens up my mind to new and exciting adventures. And so the whole, anything's possible. My wife has been an amazing support for me. So maybe it's her turn. Maybe I finish playing basketball and say, Hey, how can I support you? And what can I do for you? If she's got something that she wants to get involved with. Um, but like I said, I just want to be part of this positive train, this positive culture that's inspiring the next generation, inspiring my kids and, um, you know, bringing joy into my life. It, it's so great to travel, isn't it? And give you that, give <laughs> you that different perspective. You know, when I was 19, I spent some time in, in Asia. And it was such an eye opener. And ever since then, I've just said to people, yeah, if you, if you get the opportunity, you need to go to the developing world and see how the rest of the world lives. You know, what's that been like for you? I think, I think the amazing thing is you get to realize uh, who you are and mm. what you believe. Yeah. Cause uh, when you grew up in, in um, let's say this uh, one town, um, there's kind of an idea of how you live life and what kind of food you eat. And yeah, it's pretty uh, how, eye opening, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. How you spend your Thursdays and Fridays. And so when you go around, you realize like, Hey, I like this. I like that. And then, um, my wife and I are really excited to take all the things we've learned from different cultures and incorporate that into our family life, into our future, into our, uh, routines. And, um, that's, it's eye opening for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're a multinational family. You've got <laughs> you married someone from France and 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 uh, and you're American. So yeah, mm -hmm. just a funny story. We, uh, my mom's maiden name is Young, and we always thought it was Scottish, but we found out just recently that it it might be French. It might, we may have might be French on that side, and my relatives were embarrassed to be from France. Don't tell your okay. wife this, but <laughs> it was just kind of their, their attitude. They didn't want to be known as being French. I don't feel that way, but my grandparents felt that way. <laughs> I love it. I, love, I, went out, I went out to Russia and I was like, hey, you know, it's, it's the motherland for me because a part of my family is Russian and my name derived from this and it used to say this and then we changed the name to this and they said, that's not Russian. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> And so they, I had to go back and look for some different origins. It was like, you know, old USSR, but it really was this area. So it wasn't Russian. I was just like, oh, okay. Uh, so I got to figure, I got to figure out where I'm from and what's, what's going on here. <laughs> you need to do one of those tests and see, yeah. see what's going on in your <laughs> DNA. Well, thanks so much, Taylor, for taking the time today. And uh, I just want to wish you all the best. I hope you figure out where you're going in the fall and <laughs> to play basketball next. And I'll be watching with fascination 
the rest of your career. And, and like I say, I'll, I'll grab the book and, and give it a read and maybe say some more about it along the way as I blog and, and that sort of thing. So uh, congratulations on, on doing that. And uh, I really appreciate you being with me today. Thanks so much, man. And if anybody wants to know anything else about what's going on with the book or the, this be part of this positive movement or contact me or communicate with me, I just, I got a website with my name, taylorrochesty.com. And that uh, connects you to the book. It connects you to me. It connects you to a really, really, really positive movement. So I, I, I couldn't be more thankful to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the book. <laughs> Excellent. And if people are listening on uh, I, uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever, we'll have links to all of Taylor's stuff in our um, in our show notes. And, and check out his Instagram account too. There's a, a link tree thing there that's got all your links in there to where you can get the book. And um, I don't think it has a link to your website though. So yeah, it's taylorrochesty.com. How do you spell your last, spell your last name for our listeners again? R-O-C-H-E-S-T-I-E. So taylorrochesty.com or trochesty on Instagram. Okay, right on. Thanks again. All right, thanks so much, man. <laughs>